Hey, thanks so much for joining us on our Summit Church podcast. If you are new here, we want to help connect you with God and all that he has in store for you. We hope that this inspires you, strengthens your faith, and gives you hope to live your best days now. Enjoy the message. Well, happy Father's Day to all you fathers, all you stepfathers, and those who stand in the gap as fathers. Man, I got a word for you. Uh, One of the things that this caused me to do is I wanted to see how many children are out there in the United States. And we recently did a census, right? We do it every 10 years. We did one in 2020, and we'll do it again in 2030. But as of the last census, there are 18 Point four million children living in the United States today. That's those who were reported, at least. 18.4 million children, and one in every four household, a child lives without a biological father, a stepfather, adoptive father, or anybody who stands in the gap as a father. And so what, we, what statistics shows us is that children, boys and girls, living in fatherless homes are four times greater the risk of poverty, more likely to have behavioral problems, two times greater the risk of infant mortality, more likely to go to prison, more likely to commit a crime, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen, more likely to face abuse or neglect, more likely to abuse drugs or alcohol, two times more likely to suffer obesity and t- Two times more likely to drop out of school. San Antonio, Texas, we got a problem. We need fathers in the homes, and we need fathers like all you fathers here today that are doing their job. Well, I got good news, and I got good news. The good news is I feel like I got a message for everybody, a message that's like fire shut up in my bones, ready to come out to you. Come on. And the other good news is fathers. Wave your hands at me, fathers, men. Good, good, good. I have a message directed at your heart. And why your heart? Because Proverbs 4.23 says to guard your heart because everything that you do flows out of it. And Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So fathers, I want to build your heart today. I want to give you a heart check today. And guess what? If everything that you do, as a man thinketh in his heart, if you believe you can, guess what? You can. If you believe you can, guess what? You're right again. You can't. So uh, let's be a family, let's be a church family that believes that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And no matter what the world says about us, we can do it. Let's look in the mirror every day. Let's be a better version of ourselves each and every single day. And let's look at ourselves and go out into the world saying, hey, look, I know that the world may seem a little bit dark, but we can do it. Come on. Well, before we pray, come on, can we just come into agreement that we are going to allow the atmosphere to shift? We're going to allow the spirit of God to come in this place. The nine o'clock service was live 95. I expect you guys to do the same. They were not the, the frozen chosen. They were live. And so today you can shout me down. I will not be afraid. Come on, let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we pray for our time here today. We thank you, Heavenly Father, Lord, for everything that you've done and everything that you are doing. Holy Spirit. 
Spirit, come into this place today. Let the words that flow out of my mouth not be my words, but your words spoken through me. Let not a single person leave here the same way that they came in. And Father God, help us to have a good and a great encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Well, if you have your Bibles and if you're old school, uh, turn with me. If you are new school, flip and swipe with me. And if you don't know what kind of school you are, look on the screens. Joshua 1, 5, and 6, it says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. No man. No woman shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, Summit? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Skip down to Judges, Judges 6, 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Skip back down, Judges 6, 15 and 16. So he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Gideon speaking. Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. If you haven't guessed it already, the title of my message is So Shall I Be with you. Come on, if we can just embody that, so will God be with you. I want to start off by asking a question, and, and the question that I have for you today that I want to pose to you is, is the world changing you, or are you changing the world? I'll say it even backwards. Are you changing the world, or is the world changing you? I grew up in church, probably swayed away for a little bit, then came right back to church. Uh, but in, in my journey of Christianhood, I grew up with a Christian mother. Not, not, not just a Christian mother, but a mother that would speak life into you each and every single day, whether you wanted to hear it or not. I remember my mom chasing me, trying to say something uh, about God to me and me slamming the door. Uh, and now I actually appreciate it. But I had a mother that would always tell me each and every single day that you were the salt and light of the world, Kenny. You were meant to give the, the world flavor and you were meant to light them up. She said that you are the light of the world. You're supposed to be a city on the hill, a city that can't be hid. You're supposed to be a lighthouse. And when people are going through troubles, they're supposed to be able to look at you as the light and be drawn to you. You are the light of the world. Even more so to the point where we would go to church and we would sing this song, This Little Light of Mine. I'm not going to sing it because I don't have that kind of voice. But This Little Light of Mine... I'm going to let it shine, hide it under a bush, shout no, I'm going to let it shine. 
in a world that's going crazy, I had somebody uh, come up to me and, and they found out that I was a pastor. And so they obviously want to know what was my take on the world today? What are we going to do with the craziness? They went on to keep talking to me about, man, it's getting darker by the moment. What do I think that we should do? What is the answer for the world today? And I, I looked back at her and I said, you're the answer. If you're a Christian lady, she came to me and she, she said she was a Christian. I said, uh, she asked me, what should we be doing today? What, what, what are we supposed to do? What is the answer? for today and I looked right back at her and I said mighty woman of God you're the answer you're the answer you know when the world gets gets dark and, and when when they try to cover our light we need to go back to our roots and when 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 they try to hide it under a bass a basket we're supposed to say no so again if we don't leave here with anything I want us to leave here with the ability to say two little letters to the devil and that's no when the world tries to darken us we say no when when calamity hits us we say no come on we stand in the gap for people and when things come our way we have to be able to say no when when the devil tries to cover our light come on hide it under a basket say no come on all right we'll get you you we'll get this uh together let's go all the way back to the beginning of the bible uh and i want to give you three uh principles on how to navigate through these trying times uh if we look at adam and eve we see eve in the garden with a serpent, the devil, and what is he doing her, to her? He's tempting her. He's saying, eat of this fruit. It's going to open your eyes. If you eat of this fruit, if you do this very thing that I'm telling you, the whole world's going to open up to you. And so she eats it. That produced, that's the action. And ultimately, she destroyed all the lives of humanity. Now we, we have a, a physical death, but thank God we have life in heaven. But to go back to the beginning of the story, the devil did not kill and destroy Adam and Eve. He tempted them and he lied to them so they could destroy themselves. The first principle is to know victory is to have an understanding of our adversary. I preach this all the time, another level, another devil. But the truth is, as you go to another level and you see another devil, the tricks really didn't change. The goal is to lie to you, and as he lies to you, he wants you to be able to destroy yourself. That's why he kills you inside, and if he can kill you, if he can lie to you and kill you inside, he knows that he can ultimately destroy your life. The devil's aim is to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10, 10. Let's go that, that order. Steal, lie to you kill you inside, and ultimately destroy your life. Again, Adam and Eve, he lied to them. It produced an action, and they ultimately destroyed themselves. How many people in this house today uh, can say, I've heard this, that the devil is the father of all lies? Everybody? How many people can quote to me the sentence before that? Probably not. Okay, so the sentence before that actually states that the devil hates truth. John 8, the devil hates truth and there is no truth in him. And then Jesus, because it's written in red, said that he is the father of all lies. 
Let's go to this really quick. How many people in here have been lied to before? I want to let you know that that is not of God. That is of the devil. And we need to be able to understand that if there is a lie out there, we need to be able to look at that and find out what the truth actually is. This is how the devil works. He wants to lie to you. And he wants you to begin to be able to understand and, and live that lie so much that you begin to believe it and believe it and believe it and ultimately destroy yourself. So I want to let you know today. I don't know what you came in here with today. I don't know what's been holding you back, but if anybody has ever told you that you were a slave to sin, let me tell you that's a lie and you're actually royalty. I want to tell you that if you feel oppressed today, that's a lie and you're actually free because who the sun sets free is free indeed. I want to let you know that if somebody's ever told you that you will never amount to nothing, the devil is a lie and you are destined for greatness. Come on. We need to be able to look at the things that people tell us. We need to be able to look at the, the what the media tells us. We need to be able to look at what social media tells us and be able to say, oh, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. God has a purpose for me, but that's not part of my purpose. That's not part of my destiny. Come on, Summit family. God says, hey, look, I am the truth. And if God is the truth, he wants you to be able to look at the truth in your lives and say, look, that is not me. I am destined for greatness. Come on. I am a royalty. I'm the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I was meant to do something. I have purpose. Come on. If the devil is a lie, and we know that he is, if the devil is a lie, my question to you is, does he have your attention? Knowing that the devil's a lie, what are you putting your attention to? You weren't created just to exist. You were created to have influence. If you've ever been to any leadership conference, the first thing that they talk about is leadership is influence. So you were created to have influence into the world. You were created to go into the darkest places in the world. You were created to go into the streets and light it up. Come on, my challenge to you is when you leave here today, you go into the darkest places and you light them up. If your workplace is the darkest place, go and light it up. If HEB is the darkest place, go light it up. If the gas station is the darkest place, go ahead and light it up. We were created not just to exist. We were created to expand our territory. And as we know, as we expand our territory, we expand into enemy territory. But as we know, as we understand our adversary, we understand that his tricks has never, ever changed. And so if you're doing something new and the devil is speaking to you or a lie is coming into you, and it doesn't have to be from the devil. It could be from the person to your left and right who you actually love. If somebody is speaking into your life that is contradictory to the promises of God in your life, the devil is a lie and do not uh, believe him. Come on. The success of this world is contingent upon you stepping into who God created you to be. Come on, we were created to have purpose. We were created with destiny. We were created to be fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalms 39, uh, 139, 14, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Jeremiah 1, 5 says, before you were even in your mother's womb, 
God already knew you and he set you apart. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I've given you a hope in a future and my plans for you are of good, not of evil. But if listen to that, God's plans for you. He didn't say your plans. Everybody's over here going around saying, hey, look, I want to plan this and I want to plan that and I want to go to my destiny. And God's saying, whoa, 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 my plans for you, not your plans for yourself, my plans for you. They're good and not of evil. Your plans, I don't know, but my plans for you is good and not of evil. In Ephesians 1, 4, before the foundations of the earth, come on, God already knew you. Can we get excited that even if we don't even feel like anything, even if we get to the brink of breaking, the word of God stands true and the word of God says that God is always for us and never against us. And God meant for me to be around in this day and in this age. Come on, we could have been born in any other generation, but God says, oh, I already knew the world was going to go crazy. That's why I I created you. I already knew that the gas prices were going to start tripping. So that's why I created you. You better go out there and do something. I already knew that everything that you were complaining about was actually going to happen. But guess what? I sent you. You were born and raised for this day and this age for a purpose and with a purpose. Come on. Can we embody that today? Can we go out into the city and into the streets and say, I know that things are going bad, but I know that I was created for such a time as this. Ladies, Esther, I was born for this. I was created for such a time as this second principle to step into a new season means that you have to fully step out of an old season come on if you are going to go into a new season it's time to flip the page and start a new chapter Come on, you cannot be like this, even to the point where in Revelations, God says, if you are lukewarm, hot and cold, right? He's, hey, I'd rather you be hot for me or cold for me, but if you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. God does not like anybody to be lukewarm. And so if you are going to step into this new future that I have for you, I'm going to need you to be fully committed. Yeah, yeah, it just seems a little bit uncertain. Oh, yeah, the economy seems a little bit uncertain. But if you are going to go into this new season, if you're going to go into this new chapter, I'm going to need you to fully go into that new season. I'm going to need you to fully go into that new chapter. There's always going to be something that comes up. Everybody always asks us, when's the perfect time to have a child? Never. You just do it. When's the perfect time to get married? Uh, Never. Anybody been married for an hour knows that it's hard work. But back to our text. Moses is dead. God wanted Joshua to move forward and not be stuck in stinking thinking. So he wanted to encourage him. He said, Joshua, what I want you to do is I want you to go to the promised land that I promised to to Moses, but this time we're actually going to do it. You believe we can before, but there's some situations that happened that I wouldn't let Moses go. But guess what? You're going to go into the promised land. So I need you to be strong. I need you to be courageous. And if you could be strong and courageous, guess what? And so was I with Moses, so shall I be with you. The past is gone and yesterday is gone. How many people stuck in the past? Don't do that. Come on. The Bible says that we were meant to go to the other place. He was going to give us this territory. And look, this might be for Joshua. And you might be reading that and say, that was for Joshua. That's actually for 
you. If you are a child of God, God says that promised land that I have for you, a.k.a. purpose, I have that promise for you. I have that purpose for you. And that is where I want you to go. And I promise you that if you can just continue to go to that purpose, if you can continue to pursue your passion, not only am I going to be with you, but I'm going to allow you to continue to be strong and courageous. What I tell you to do might sound a little bit crazy, right? When Joshua actually went there and he was facing one of the biggest uh, enemies over there, they had these big fortified walls. And guess what? Guess what he told Joshua? This is what I want you to do, Joshua. I want you to march around the walls. And then after you march around, I want you to yell. Come on, what if God says, hey, look, I'm going to take you to your promised land, but when you go to that promised land, I'm going to have you just walk around it for a little bit, and then you're going to yell. Come on, it sounds crazy, right? But if you don't learn it through instruction, you're going to learn it through experience, right? And so guess what happened to Moses? When Moses said, hey, look, God, hey, look, I don't think we can do it. They look like, they look like giants. We look like grasshoppers to us. And God says, okay, go around the mountain one more time. Hey, look, I don't think we can do this. They're, they're, they're too big. Hey, look, I don't know if, if we can do this. They got a bigger army than us. You know what, Moses? Go around that mountain one more time. Summit family, hey, look, you're supposed to open that job. Hey, God, I can't open, the, I can't open that new business. Okay, go around the mountain one more time. Hey, Tim, you're supposed to go into, you're supposed to expand your territory. Oh, no, God, I'm fearful. Okay, Tim, go around that mountain one more time. Come on. God says, I want you to do some things in life. I want you to pursue your passions but when you get stuck in stinking thinking when you get stuck in hey look I'm, I'm too fearful or hey look I get stuck I don't know if I can do it God says okay go around that mountain one more time because if you don't learn it through instruction God is going to allow you to learn it through experience and hopefully at some point in time you get through through that experience and actually learn it because God is saying hey look I got purpose that I need you to pursue God is always moving that's why when when the Bible references God, he says he's an all-consuming fire. He's a rushing wind. He's a, like moving water. Come on, what happens to stagnant water? What does it do? It stinks. And if our body is made up of over 75% water, we were never, ever meant to say stagnant. We were meant to continue to move. We were meant to keep, continue to keep flowing. We were meant to continue to pursue purpose. We were meant to have this passion that is shut up in our bones and move forward. We were meant to do something. We were not just meant to exist. We are the light of the world. And as this world gets darker, and I'm going to keep saying this over and over again until it gets into your soul, we are the answer to the world's problems today. The promise of Moses was always, hey, you can go into to the promised land. The promise for you is that you have a purpose. The promise for you is that you were not meant to be stuck. The promise for you is that you were actually supposed to do something. The promise for you is that you were supposed to pursue purpose. And in the pursuit of purpose, God was going to bless you. That was what you were supposed to do. Don't be like Moses in this situation. He lost faith. He stayed stagnant. And he didn't believe that he can do it. The Bible says, this is extra, Mark eleven twenty three 23 and 24, says you can have what you ask for as long as you don't doubt that you can have it. Doubt will kill any vision. Doubt will kill any goals because what doubt's meant to do is to keep you stagnant. But last of all, he feared, he feared, 
He feared that he was going to die. He feared that he was going to get overrun. But guess what? Fear does not stop death. Fear stops life. Fear stops vision. Fear stops momentum. Fear stops goals. Fear stops vision for a better day. And come on, a person without vision will always fail. Because God says, without vision, the people will tarry. God wants you to be a person of valor and a vision. A man without vision will always revert back to his past. That's why Gideon, when he found Gideon, now Gideon gets a bad rap, I know. They were the worst, uh, the smallest in, in the area, Manasseh. Uh, but what Gideon was actually doing, he was actually getting wheat and bringing it back to the wine press and storing it because a lot of the, the Midianites were coming. And so God sees Gideon in, in the wine press and he looks at Gideon and he says, Gideon, what are you doing? I wish I could name all of you, but I, I would, if, I, if I saw you, I'd say, hey, what are you doing? You're supposed to be a mighty man of valor. You're supposed to be a mighty woman of valor. So go ahead, Gideon. I want you to get up. But guess what? When you get up, I'm going to have you go fight the very people that you're scared of. Because the very people that you're scared of, I want you to have their land. And I want you to have the people's other land over there and over there and over there. Gideon, I don't want you to be afraid. What I want you to do is I want you to stand up. I want you to be a mighty man of valor, a mighty woman of valor. And I want you to inherit what I told you you're supposed to inherit the land that I have for you that's the land that I have for you the land the purpose that I have for you is the purpose that I have for you I can't have you sitting here in the wine press when it doesn't matter how many people there are it doesn't matter what other people are saying about you it doesn't matter how many people are tweeting to you it doesn't matter what people are saying to you in the comments what matters is I said that you're supposed to go inhabit the land and that you may be one person but you're gonna go over there and fight the biggest devil that you can find and you're going to defeat him. This is what you're supposed to do, Gideon. You're supposed to stand up. You're supposed to be a mighty man of valor. And as you stand up, guess what? So shall I be with you. He emphasized this over and over and over again. Even to, to the point where, where Jesus, when he was about to leave, he said, hey, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave telling his disciples, but I must go. Because if I don't go, the helper's not going to come. The counselor's not going to come. The advocate's not going to come. The spirit of God is not going to come. So as I leave, the spirit of God comes. And guess what happens? Acts 1-8, when the spirit of God comes, you receive power. So it is to your advantage that I leave. So if you go through anything, the advocate is here. If you go through anything, the counselor is here. If you go through anything, the helper is here. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you receive power. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You receive power. It doesn't matter what anybody says. You receive power. It doesn't matter what anybody, what it, is, what it feels like. It doesn't matter what the situation says. You receive power. When the spirit of God God comes upon you, Summit family. That's why we come to church. So the Spirit of God can come. It can come to you in your home, but this is a great place in the four walls gathered together. Can the Holy Spirit come and fill us all? So when we go out into the world, we go out into the world with a filled spirit and an overflowing of the anointing to shift the atmosphere of the world. I'm going to let you know the person next to you in your cubicle, they need you. The person that's pumping gas next to you, they need you. The person behind you in line, they need you. You were born for this. It's time to change. 
from where you've been and go to where you're supposed to go. Summit family, this is a new season that you're in. Come on. Anytime somebody says, hey, look, the world is getting darker. Yes, I know. I'm about to do something about it. When anybody tells me, hey, look, hey, look, you're not going to be able to do this. It doesn't matter. Look, I'm about to do something about this. I'm going to go over there and I'm going to love people the way that they're supposed to be loved. Um, John 13, 35, Jesus says, people will know you're my disciples by the way that you what? love people. Come on, if people want to know who you are and whose you are, go ahead and love them. Love the people that hate you. Love the people that talk bad about you. Love the people that don't love you. Love the people that, hey, you don't even feel like loving. Sometimes love your wife or your spouse, even if you don't feel like loving them. Love your children, even though you don't feel like loving them. That's how you know you're my disciple, is by the way that you, that you love people. Come on, how is the world going to know who you are? Are you loving people or are you saying, oh, that person's this or that person's that? No, no, no. Love them. And that's how you know you're my people. So again, make sure that you continue to step into a new journey. Into, to, God says, I'm going to take you from glory to glory. Let's not go backwards and backwards and backwards. Again, we're not meant to stay stagnant. We're meant to continue to move forward. And again, a person without vision will always revert back to their past. Principle number three, you have to know how to fight your battles. I was a boxer at some point in time in my life. And when I was boxing, one of the things that, that I learned was not just to throw punches, but it was how to position myself. And, and if anybody's ever watched any of my videos, you'll, you'll see that I was an angle fighter. I always tried to, to, to get uh, a different angle. Uh, and, and so I had a big mentor that said, hey, look, it doesn't matter how well you can throw punches. It doesn't matter how well you position yourself, although that's good. That'll help you win fights. But if you want to win fight after fight after fight, it's what you do when nobody is looking. See, I have this love-hate relationship with motivation. You see, motivation is just that spark, as my friend Nico always says. Motivation is just that spark, but it's discipline that continues to move you forward and forward and forward. So I have this love-hate relationship because somebody says, I'm not motivated. My, my answer to them is, so? You're not motivated but you want this, well, you got to get motivated first. But after you get motivated, you need to have some type of discipline. So if somebody also tells me that I'm motivated, I'm also like, so are you disciplined? Because when I was boxing, I didn't want to wake up every morning and run 12 miles. I didn't want to eat paper, a.k.a. kale, every morning with no salad dressing. I didn't want to do two a days working out in the morning and in the afternoon when everybody was playing or doing something. But I was disciplined to do it. And so what God wants you to do is he wants you to look at some of the, the darkest areas in your life and say, hey, look, am I disciplined enough to fight my battles? Because we as Christians, we fight our battles a lot different than the world does. The world says throw some punches. God says kneel before me so you could stand in front of giants. God says put yourself in prayer. And as you put yourself in prayer, I fight for you. Come on. If you get into the word of God, that's how you defeat the enemy. 
What was the thing that, that David did right before he slew Goliath? He took the sword and he cut the giant's head off. What does the sword in the, in the armor of God mean? It's the word, the word of God. If you take the word of God to your battles, you not only just fight with just, just your regular fists, you fight with something spiritual. God allows what happens to you to, uh, God allows what happens to you to work in your favor. God takes the natural and puts a little bit of the supernatural in it. God takes the ordinary and puts a little extraordinary in it because you don't fight with just fists in this world. You don't fight with just words in this world. All the words of life is good for your life, but you fight with prayer. You fight with the word of God. You fight with spending time with God. This is how I fight my battles. I don't fight like the world fights. You can say whatever you want about me. I'm just going to pray for you. You could tell me I'm not going to amount to nothing. I'm just going to get into the Word of God and see what the Word of God says about me. It doesn't matter what you feel. It matters what God feels about me. And God says, hey, look, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You have a purpose. You have a destiny. And that destiny is what I want you to pursue. It doesn't matter what giant stands in your way. It doesn't matter what mountain stands in your way. It doesn't matter how many chains that you have. Because one thing that I do know is that God is a chain breaker, a mountain mover, and a stronghold lifter. And so I know that there's some people in here today that may be going through something and feel like, hey, look, I've been paddling for, every, for, for days upon days, hours upon hours. Let me encourage you with a story that I told the small group's leader. You can Google me if you want to. In 1950s, in the 1950s, a story of Dr. Reichter. He uh, worked for Harvard. And he took these domesticated rats and, and he, he put them in uh, water and thrown them in water. Don't call Peter, please. Uh, he put them in water and he would see how long it took for them to drown. And on average, it took them 15 minutes. And so what he would do after these 15 minutes is he would take the, the rats out. He'd brush them off. He'd let them rest for a little bit. And then he put them back in the water. After he put them back in the water, how long did these rats last? Another five minutes, another 10 minutes, another 20 minutes, an hour? Nope, 60 hours. Because they knew that when they were treading water, there was a savior that was gonna take them out. And after the savior took them out, he was gonna brush them off and make sure that they were good enough. And when he put them back into the water, not only were they able to tread, not just for 15 minutes again, but for 60 hours that they were able to tread again because they knew that there was a savior. Come on, can we be a church that when we're going through something, when we're paddling through water, that we know that there is a savior that will pick us up, that will brush us off and say, son, I got you. Daughter, I got you. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter how long you've been paddling. Daughter, I got you. Son, I got you. Come on. We fight our battles a different way. We pray. We seek the Lord's face. Come on. We get on our knees. And after we get on our knees, we stand up in front of giants because this is our promise as a Christian is that God is for us and God is not against us. Come on. A lot of people over here, just maybe because of social media, they're like, I have to be perfect. That person that I'm looking for, looking at, they're perfect. You don't know their story. They're not perfect. They're probably more broken than you. 
the people there that you see that has the perfect marriage, that has the perfect children and everything. You're like, I want to strive towards that. But I want to let you know here today, Summit, that God doesn't really care for you to be perfect. He cares that he can be a part of your imperfection and that an imperfect person can rely on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and create a testimony. Because how do we defeat the world? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The very thing that you need to do today is God says, I want to get with you in each and every single one of your situations. I want to partner with you because where you stop, where it's impossible for you, that's where where God says, that's where I begin, baby. You, something's impossible for you, that's where I begin. I got you. You don't think that you can do it? Perfect. I got you. Tag me in, brother. I got you. God is saying, hey, look, I don't want to leave you out there. I want to let you know that there is a Savior out there, and that Savior is for you and not against you, and I want to keep you, and I want to save you, because guess what? You have purpose. The answer to the world today is you, Summit family. 1 John 5, 4, uh, last verse for the day. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. Let me read that again. For every, every, all, todo, for every child of God defeats this world and we achieve this victory through our faith. Summit family, it doesn't matter what the world's economy says. It matters what God says. Come on, we fight our battles through prayer. We fight our battles through the Word of God. Come on, I love him throwing that up right there. We fight our battles by seeking the face of God. We fight our battles by not knowing what the world says about or not caring what the world says about us, but caring what God's Word says about us. Come on, this is how we fight our battles. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting summitsa.com.